try to one up each other. Okay. It's not a competition. It's a competition. <laughs> Welcome to the Exponent 2 podcast. We have renamed it because we don't want to be affiliated with uh, Elon Musk X. And we're not trying to show off like, oh, look how X more we are. So the Exponent <laughs> 2 podcast rather than XPod 2. Also, some people are having a hard time finding it. And we're trying to build up the Exponent 2 search engine optimization. So welcome to this podcast. Uh, I'm Carol Ann calling in from Minneapolis. I have seen the Barbie movie one time. I saw it three days ago on a Friday. Um, what time? Mid, early afternoon. I was one of six people in the theater. It was wonderful. The last time I'd seen a movie in the theater was seeing Jumanji 2, pre-pandemic, pre-lockdown. <laughs> I'm here with Heather Sundahl. Hi, I have seen the Barbie movie twice. I saw it on opening day. I dressed up with girlfriends. There were people in the theater with homemade costumes meant to look like some of the characters from Barbie movies, wow. um, Barbie princess and the pauper and the, the Barbie princess in the Pegasus movie oh, and awesome. another one. I can't remember. And three guys got up and walked out. During the fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. Who else are we with tonight? Heather? And we've got Ramona here. Hi, I'm channeling Ken's fur coat with my little pink coat. Love well, it. this is just my blanket. This is just my comforter I just threw over myself because mm-hmm. I was just feeling my oats. Um, I'm calling him from Barbados. Um, I watched the movie like an hour ago. Um, it took me two days to watch this movie. Um, for everybody listening, I work two jobs. So like it's it's been crazy trying to do anything other than focus yeah. on work. Yeah. So I watched 20 minutes and then I watched the rest of it tonight. It was, nice. it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. who else we're here with tonight, Ramona. We are here with Nancy. Nancy, where are you calling in from? I am calling in from Southern Utah and I have seen the movie three times. Woo-hoo. So we f- <laughs> first went with uh, most of my family on opening weekend And then just after opening weekend, I saw it with my friend Caroline, who many of us know. Mm. Um, And then when we got home, by the time we got home, um, my child who had not seen it regretted not having to see it it with us the first time. And so then I took the kids again and, and we, and we loved it. And the first time I was like, okay, there's some interesting stuff going on here, but, but, but I enjoyed it more and more as I saw it. Mm. Good to hear. Good to know. Um, so Heather, Heather rounded us up and said, we need to do the Barbie podcast. We need to get this going. So lead it, lead us on Heather. Where are we going tonight? So back in, I think 2008, I wrote a, I wrote a blog post for the exponent about Barbie, just how unapologetically pro Barbie I am. So I've, Mm -hmm. I've always loved Barbie. I've always seen her as very empowering. It was Barbie was never getting married. She was never about having babies or, you know, Ken, Ken was not her plan. Mm-hmm. Ken, Ken was an accessory like her shoes or like mm-hmm. a purse or whatever other little things you have. And so a lot of my daughter's friends were horrified that we had just this house full of Barbies. You know, but I will say like my Barbies have always been diverse. I had black Barbies. I had Hawaiian Barbie. I still have my Donnie Osmond in his purple jumpsuit. Oh, Barbie. oh. he has the Barbie. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So that seems you know? like a very LDS thing. 
and we can get into it later, but um, Mattel has worked really hard to to get some diversity in there. I mean, there's non-binary Barbies and trans Barbie and just, you know, Down syndrome Barbie came out this year. There's wow. Barbie in a, in a wheelchair. I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's so much more representation with Barbie. There's various body sizes. Mm-hmm. So I, oh, I, I wasn't big, aware of all of that. That's awesome. I'm yeah. a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan too. Um, I don't know who everybody's Barb first Barbie was, but my first Barbie, I made my grandmother hunt through the entire of Boston trying to find me a scary spice. Oh, Barbie. I was it. obsessed with the Spice Girls. I wanted to have that Barbie. And Barbies back then were like super expensive in Barbados. So you usually got the off-brand Barbie that wasn't okay. quite a Barbie, but close enough to be like a distant relative, like your Uncle Tim or something. To so, share the clothes. Okay. All right. So you had like not so great clothes, but a lot of people kind of got into that and over time kind of built their way up to getting an actual Barbie. So I remember when I got my first Barbie and it wasn't an imitation one. I was so excited. And oh. then she had this big poopy here. And all that. Except I'm in love. Yeah. But I don't know if any of you guys are like the Barbie obsessed adults where you watch like, I watch Barbie and the 12 Dancing Princess. And I, I love that movie. Oh, um, I know all of them. I can see them start singing Diamond Castle with me. Go for Uh-oh. it. Oh, I know these. <laughs> so I I played with Barbie when I was a kid. And really, yeah. Barbie was some of the, they were some of the only toys I remember being given. I'm yeah. not sure I was like super into Barbie, but I was given Barbies. And so we had a big collection of Barbies. I think we had like one Ken. All of my Barbies were white. Um, like they were all like stereotypical Barbie more or less. And for yeah. some reason, I think we like lost all the fashion clothes and then just some, like some, like somebody's grandmother or my, you know, had like <laughs> knitted out of like, oh. like white and baby blue and baby pink, like acrylic, just like all these Barbie clothes, like all these clothes. And so, so that's, that's kind of what I remember. And I remember playing a lot of with my best friend from church, uh, Allie, playing a lot of like Swiss Family Robinson, like stranded on a de- stranded oh, on a desert okay. island, was like my standard Barbie like scenario story I to play. Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, okay. I feel like Barbie was kind of like my introduction to writing. I feel like because for some reason I had the most dramatic storylines for my Barbies. There was always a homewrecker. There was always the good girl. There was always the popular girl. Then you had like the guy who was just dumb and obsessed with like the popular girl. I I feel like if that really got me into writing at a young age. And I feel Mm -hmm. like also um, because a lot of us couldn't afford um, back then because Barbies had just come into Barbados in a huge way. Um, a lot of us couldn't afford clothes. So you would see mm-hmm. naked Barbies just all around the house mm-hmm. or somebody has just got on board with their doll and it has cut the hair off of the Barbie. So yeah. you saw a lot of bald Barbies walking yes. around. Yes. <laughs> Those are such good times. So well, I one of the things is that your the limit is your imagination. Your imagination is the limit with Barbie. 
And so my girlfriend, Stephanie and I, when we were in, she was probably in high school and I was in later, later uh, middle school. We took one of the Barbies. First, we cut the hair because, you know, mm-hmm. she's got those like, you know, when men get implants and it's oh, hair like, plugs. Oh, yes. Hair plugs. Yes. She had the hair plugs. So we did that. And then I got the really bright idea to take nail polish remover and we wiped her whole face off. We wiped oh, off her face and creepy. then we took a nail file and we got rid of her nose. So you made slithering. Yeah, yeah. Voldemort. (laughs) And then we drew stuff on her face. And then we took nail polish and painted it, let it dry, painted it and let it dry. And we peeled it and we named her Nuclear Holocaust Barbie. And then Stephanie took the head and attached it to a string and had it on her rear view mirror for about 10 years driving. Yeah. Do you know what a good idea? Do you know what would be a good idea for a post, Heather? Your Barbie that you absolutely wrecked just speaking on behalf of the trauma it has endured. Well, the weird Barbie, the collection, like I want to yeah. go to DI. I've been thinking I want to go to DI and like buy some Barbies. And then I never made a weird Barbie, but yeah. like, you know, my friends definitely had weird Barbies. Yes. And now I want to go and make my own weird Barbie. Like yes. that just feels like a very satisfying yeah. thing yeah, to do. Your Holocaust Barbie was a cousin of weird Barbie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. My yeah. turn to share my like Barbie okay. heritage story. So I definitely grew up with Barbies. But I got to a point where I was just like, kind of embarrassed with them. But at the time, just like loving dressing them up. And it like, it took watching the movie to be like, oh yeah, it's different than like playing like I'm the mom. It was like, I, like I, I'm i not sure what the relationship was. Is it like an extension of me? Or like, there's this is a cool adult that I'm playing with. Like, I'm not quite sure. And then listening to the interview with Peggy Fletcher Stack, Fletcher Stack, she's like, oh, I had an astronaut Barbie. And I was like, I definitely did not have any of the career Barbies. And so now I'm very intrigued thinking about like, who the like adults who are giving you the Barbies and curating your Barbies. Cause my daughter who is almost four um, has Barbies, but they were all given to her or from thrift stores where she's like, mommy really want this. And it looked really ratty. And I was like, sure. Cause I didn't think I'd be a Barbie mom. Cause I was kind of like, I waited to find out like what her gender mm-hmm. sex was. Like usually I use the term kiddo and she, but, and so lately though, she's like, I'm a girl. I like being a girl. So we're like, okay, cool. So just like, I think this is your, you've been loving pink and purple for a while and like flowy dresses. So just kind of like letting her, in some ways I've been like, oh, I don't want you to like, I've been trying not to push it, but it's been like a, li- a little bit scary at times being like, you are leaning hard into a gender stereotypical, um, little watch girl. for those ones. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, sorry. So where I'm going is, yeah, I grew up with Barbies and just interesting now being a parent and mm-hmm. watching my kiddo love playing with their Barbies, but she also, I, she's filling up the sink with water and dunking her Barbies in. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm baptizing my Barbies. And then they're going to ballet practice. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Just exercising your priesthoods. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when, so I played with Barbies as a kid, as I said, but then when it got to like the mid late nineties and I was in high school, I, there was like a lot of Barbie, like feminist Barbie critiques that came out mm-hmm. about like Barbie's Barbie, like Barbie's stereotypical body. Mm. And then I started to feel like really bad and kind of stupid about like having played with Barbies. So my experience with having played Barbies from then until fairly recently felt very complicated. Like, and my kids didn't play with Barbies. My kids were more stuffed animal oriented than Mm -hmm. doll oriented. Um, 
but yeah, like it felt complicated for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. About the... yeah, I don't think I had that experience. Um, I think I replaced Barbie with music. Um, Cause I was really into music um, in my teenage, early teenage years. Um, anything to do with music I was involved in. So instead of Barbies being my hobby, music became my hobby. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't really hear any critiques. And I think that's one of the advantages of, you know, living on a smaller island. You know, you don't get influenced by a lot of the stuff that goes on in America or around the world sometimes. So it kind of was like protected in a sense. I will say though that Barbie has lost a little bit of popularity here over how it used to be when I was growing up because mm. people used to be obsessed. Whenever there was a new Barbie, they would be like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna add another one, another mm. one. And now it's like you can walk into a store and you can still Barbies like still on the shelf. So it's mm. kind of weird. Yeah. So, you know, I played with Barbies for a long time. Um, and I, but I never, I never got over my love and obsession of Barbie and then with my girls. And, and so these, my daughters are 23, 21 and 17. And we still buy Barbies. Like we've, we've got Frida Kahlo Barbie. Um, one daughter has Jane Goodall, another one for her birthday last year, her 17th birthday. She wanted the Ella Fitzgerald doll. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, I bought Ida B. Wells before I have Susan B. Anthony and yeah. 2008. Is that when Obama was, was inaugurated mm-hmm. in 2008? We yeah. bought the holiday Barbies in the black one and the white one because they look like Michelle Obama and Jill Biden, like going to the nice. inaugural ball. Oh, and so my girls mm-hmm. played like inaugural ball Barbie. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> all yeah. about the first ladies. <laughs> I, I think there's a part of us that, like, as we get older, we might not like physically want to play with it, but we go from wanting to play with it to starting to be the collector. Mm-hmm. I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Or something I was thinking about too is just the like getting the imaginative play of like fancy, fun clothes. Where mm-hmm. in like normal everyday life, like your wedding prom, like you don't get that many chances to wear big puffy dresses. We should and giant sparkly clothes. Yes, and they're fun. Mm-hmm. They're 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 so fun. They're yeah, and it's always hilarious when you get a doll that's supposed to look like someone who's like still alive. Like the we had the Robert doll from Enchanted, who is McDreamy. Okay. So we have the um, oh, what's his name? Um, okay. Why am I Dempsey? Patrick Dempsey. Oh, oh okay. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know we had like the Patrick oh, Dempsey Barbie. Um, oh know, nice. From, from Enchanted, and we had the cat. Does it feel like Madame Tussauds? I can't remember the right wax no. figure. Sometimes no. you're like, this is no. too creepy. It's or not like, too close. There's no uncanny valley. valley. Okay. There's no okay. uncanny valley mm-hmm. because they all still look like Barbie. Okay, so Frida it's Kahlo, like, she's got a unibrow. She still looks like Barbie. Got it, got it. Eleanor Roosevelt, frumpy house coat, still looks like Barbie. Ha ha. Like, there's yeah. just some some through some through lines. So I would love to talk about the thing that that hit me when I was watching the Barbie movie is I just kept seeing temple parallels. 
Mm. Oh yeah. I would like totally to agree. talk about some of the stuff that I saw in the movie that felt super Garden of Eden, very much, you know, um, our origin story. So we start out in, in Barbie land and it's just this pr- pristine world and there's no sexuality. No houses right. have doors or walls. Like everyone's just doing everything out there. Like there's no sense of nakedness. And that's something else I love about Barbie is she was never ashamed to be naked. Most uh-huh. of us talk about like naked Barbies lying around the house and mm-hmm. you know, it's just not a big deal. And then, and you clearly get the impression and in real life, Barbie was made first. And right. so Ken is like made from a plastic rib, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, oh, as, as her help me, you know, Ken, like <laughs> I've said, he's, he's kind of an accessory. Right. And then you have Barbie sort of start getting these notions of death where right. she clearly is becoming aware of, you know, these, these ideas of, of mortality and there being something else. And so everyone sends her to weird Barbie who is in this sense, the Satan figure, but Satan mm-hmm. serves some really good purposes. And I have to right. say my grandpa, who was the most devout Mormon I've ever met. He's so toxically positive that he used to say, well, Satan, you got to give it to him. He's a really hard worker. <laughs> so yeah, Satan, yeah. really hard worker. Anyhow. So weird Barbie, she goes to weird Barbie and Barbie and she, where Barbie kind of guides her and says, well, this is what's happening. You have to leave paradise. You've kind of Mm got to go out to this lonely world. And she presents her with these two shoes and Barbie keeps thinking And instead of the Birkenstock. And and you can almost hear Kate McKinnon say, there is no other choice. Like you you don't have a choice. I'm giving you the illusion of choice here. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if anybody saw, um, I know we were saying that it kind of felt like if Barbie was weighing mortality a little bit, um, but I just got a lot of nuance from what Barbie was experiencing in that. I was like, this sounds like a, a PIMO. Sorry, no, my bad. This sounds like somebody who is absolutely devout, 100% then nuance comes in. Yes. Right. Yes. right. So she starts from this place of innocence where everything is kind of Great. black and white and you assume everything. It, I guess it's pink and more pink, light pink uh-huh. and dark pink. Um, and you sort of assume things are a certain way. And then the patriarchy going into the real world, that's the fall. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that that was, you know, if I'm interpreting our origin story of Adam and Eve, Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't until they left the garden that Eve, Adam sort of ruled over Eve and the animals were kind of at each other. And there was this sort of cutthroat. I see patriarchy as not an eternal principle, but as a representation of the fall. And right. so Barbara goes out there and she's, you know, horrified by all of this. And Ken gets a coat of skins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which you yeah, have to love. I was like, okay, who wrote oh, this? Oh, true, the fur coat. At first I was thinking of the cow. I was like, well, they both had cowboy Western gear. No, no, no. no. When Ken gets no. that fur coat, the it's like Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester. I was like, who, who gave Ken a pimp coat? 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's part of the lone and dreary world. It's part of patriarchy to, to, you know, slay animals and wear their fur and (laughs) and display your dominance. Yeah. Anyhow, one other thing that I want to, a Mormon thing I want to bring in is that whole, I don't know if you guys have ever heard about um, George Albert Smith, I think it was, who people were asking him, what are bodies like in the next life and in the resurrection? And he was saying that if you're resurrected into the telestial world, which is the fallen world, that you won't have genitalia. Oh, and I had then not people started that. referring to that as the TK smoothie, mm-hmm. the Telestial Kingdom smoothie. And that's what oh. we would refer to our Ken dolls. We'd say, oh, he's got a TK smoothie. I <laughs> have never heard this. Amazing. I've never heard this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I've heard this. No, no genitalia. Oh, wow. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. So Nancy, last week, Nancy and I were talking and she has this really interesting queer perspective like interpreting barbie through queer lens nancy i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah so this is so when i first saw this um so when i first saw the movie i was trying to like follow the story and i think that was totally the wrong thing to do if you haven't mm-hmm. seen the movie don't like try and make follow the story or yeah. like make it make sense yeah. i feel like that's yeah. that's you're just gonna fall into a trap there and be confused um but but i really noticed a lot of like queer elements of mm-hmm. of the story and you know wow. whenever they left barbie land they're playing the indigo girls who are you right. know very famous lesbians yeah. Yeah. and um and you know the dance battle with the kens there's just a lot of men holding hands and dancing together yes. i love it for the record yes. i love it this is great mm-hmm. um but also and and a few other, and a few other bits and pieces right like there so and then then as i kind of uh i was looking online and not reading a lot but just kind of looking at a lot of headlines and people noticing you know also commenting on queer barbie you know like how the movie like was queer or that the barbie universe was queer and i'm like the barbie universe is queer i need to know more yeah and so i go back to the movie in the second third time um after having a conversation with some friends who all who kind of missed some of these queer barbecues they 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 are not queer and so they had kind of missed yeah. these things it, even like the contrast between like the pump and the and the Birkenstock where the mm-hmm. Birkenstock is coated you know is kind of like stereotypical lesbian clothing and um and so as I went back and watched the movie it just all seemed queerer and queerer and so yeah, I get this, yeah right, right right you have these extremely homosocial spaces right like the Barbies hang out with each other the Kens hang out with each other hi Barbie, hi Barbie. Hi right Barbie. Like, hi, like I love that right like it's so great and at the same time when the when the Kens the Kens start doing that I mean they, they're living in a gender hierarchy a different kind of gender hierarchy so they are all competing with each other instead of oh, like hi Ken hi Ken right, right. like there's more tension yeah. there um, but as the kids are interacting with each other, there's just so much like homoerotic like yeah, energy. Right. And that's part of the beauty of it, right? Like it's also part like why it's so great. So, but while Ken and Barbie are largely existing in these like homo social spaces, the Barbies with the Barbies and the Kens with the Kens, they're also paired up in this heterosexual way, kind of performing mm-hmm. heterosexuality, but because they don't have genitals, none of them have genitals, right? So you have all the Kens are 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 men without penises which to me sounds kind of trans you know right mm. like 
right? They're, they they lived in this in this like enforced heterosexuality world, much like Mormonism, right? We we teach young children that they are going to like grow up and like you know acquire an op, you know, a different a like different sex spouse, you know, and there's kind of this sense that heterosexuality has been forced upon them. And Barbie is not into Ken. And Ken is obsessed with Barbie, but not necessarily like authentically in love with Barbie. They're just trying to like fill these roles. Also very Mormon, but also very queer, right? They're trying, they they have no like natural affinity and attraction to each other, but they're really like trying to kind of make that dynamic work. And so um, by the end of the movie, then, you know, what Barbie gets in becoming human are genitals and then, and then can figure out where that sexual attraction lies and what, and what she wants to do with that in a more authentic way. Um, When I first saw the movie, I thought the ending was kind of weird, but when I read it through a queerer lens, this, this sense of, you know, Barbie then being able to figure out Barbie's own sexuality um, make, makes more sense. My children tell me that all the non-binary folks identify with Alan. And I've been doing a little bit of like reading a little bit of Barbie history. Apparently there was that there was this book that came uh, academic book that came out in the, let's see, in 1995 called Barbie's queer accessories, um, kind of exploring the queerness of the Barbie universe. But it's, when I see queer Barbie, like when I see weird Barbie, I see queer Barbie instead of Satan. And I see that weird Barbie, queer Barbie, overtly queer Barbie, um, serves as a spiritual guide for this whole thing that like really trying to fit into this narrow gender role a narrow, like sexual role doesn't really fit with Barbie. And it is queer Barbie who sends her on the journey of the Birkenstock to ultimately then be able to begin to figure out who Barbie really is and what Barbie really wants relationally. And so, so I, I just, that. yeah, I that's, would that's say, kind of my thinking. Yeah, I would say, Love. like, I thought this movie was very cap. It was very, the pink was pinking. The the guys were guying. Everybody was just having a good time. And all it needed was a dry queen, um, RuPaul, mm-hmm. to come in and be like, it's time to lick sick for your life. And uh-huh. like that's all it needed. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is the next Paris is burning for me. I'm like, it was real. I I definitely got those themes as well, um, Nancy, that you did. Mm-hmm. Um and I loved that even though Margot Robbie and um Ryan Gosling were the main characters, and this is probably just me shifting to the pop culture side of things. I liked that the actors in their own individual ways had their opportunity to shine. Yeah. Um, even if they weren't on screen for that long, because we didn't see some of the characters for a lot of the movie, like um Nicola um Coglin, I think that's how you pronounce her name. We didn't see her for that long, but she was there. Um, our queen supreme Penelope. <laughs> we didn't see her for that long. Um and I really liked how it wasn't only just all of these people in Hollywood that are known. There was a lot of UK talent in there. We had Nakuti. We had, let me pull up. We had Issa Rae. Yeah. Like a lot of people didn't know Issa Rae before a Barbie movie. Um, we had Simu. Um, 
who I I mean a lot of people are debating if they like Simu still, but we had Simu, we had oh my gosh. I'm pulling up the list. We had Will Farrell, who yeah. is the king of comedy, and whenever you put him in the role in a comedy, he kills it, even if he's not the lead actor. Well, it's funny that he was in the Lego movie too. So also like mm-hmm. Lego movie and a Barbie movie. So. Yeah. Um, I think the one person that I loved seeing in this movie was Sharon Rooney. Um, she was the plus size Barbie, but I can't mm. remember what her actual Barbie title was. If yeah, you remember Barbie, seen, wasn't she lawyer Barbie? No, she, she was the one that was like in the call girl print, kind of. Well, at the beginning, there's a part where like she like gives a speech in the like Senate or wherever, like uh, a, a house probably of politics. She is. Yeah, this is telling you how tired I was when I was no, watching. The first no, and I was movie. excited to see, yeah, like variety of sizes, yeah, and yes. and um, abilities. Mm-hmm. Like like the Barbie in the wheelchair dancing, like having that mm-hmm. like as the big dance party. We're really happy. Yeah. And I'm just gonna plug that if no one has never seen my fat my my big fat something diary. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna get back to this by the end of the episode and get it correctly because it's hilarious and Sharon Rooney needs to be a Hollywood star. I'm Perfect. saying that I'm, I'm throwing my hat in the ring that she needs to be famous. I love it. Thanks for the pop culture stuff. And like, please filter it in again as um, as you keep discussing. I want to talk housing policy and the built environment. Please. I studied urban planning um, a couple of years ago and I do housing policy now. Uh, not my dream job yet, but getting there. Um, anyway, uh, sorry. And one more thing about my background is I used to be a teacher, got burned out. was like, wait, we have segregated schools because of segregated housing. Like, let's let's explore this more. So that was my career path um shifting careers my late 20s now I'm in my mid-30s okay housing policy one of my favorite lines in the movie is America Ferrera and her daughter are driving with Barbie Barbie's explaining like welcome to Barbie land like um we're going up to my house and America Ferrera asks where did the Kens live and Barbie says I don't know or uh yeah she says I don't know and so just that that to me that was so fascinating because I had I had that question earlier in the movie because so I was like oh yeah like here's Barbie dream <laughs> and like oh because like when Ryan Gosling was like hey can I sleep, sleep over like no this is my house like um and then Rachel yeah. brings it up in the um uh Mormon land podcast of the like kind of perfectionism people pleasing where Barbie's like oh I don't want to do that to Ken and they're like Ken took your house it's like oh yeah like I should be mad anyway but back to housing I'm thinking also about sprawl so if everyone has a Barbie dream house, that takes up a lot of space. And mm-hmm. we have some parallels in our Mormonism as we look at Utah and Arizona and Las Vegas. A lot of our and, um, suburbs of Boise, Idaho, there's a lot of more Southern California, a lot of our uh, Mormon corridor, just a lot of sprawl. A lot of we want our pool. We want our slide. We want just kidding. But we uh, just like we want a lot of space. And that takes up a lot of land. So thinking about that. Um, economic or sorry the the land use factor and thinking about um I didn't see a lot of cars it seemed like it seemed quite walkable in the city but if everyone has a Barbie dream house I don't know how walkable it can be but it was also cool to see the beach was a hangout like we got to see the different hangouts uh they're driving the convertible there's the pink um capitol building um and so it seems like a very like walkable city but you can't really have a walkable city if everyone has a Barbie dream house 
Um, yeah. We also, again, we don't know where the Kens live. Um, Carolyn, wondering- what oh. about the segregation of Midge? Midge and Skipper. Yeah, what Skipper about is, I was, Yes, exactly. So feeling deeply uncomfortable about Midge, they made that joke a lot of times. And so it's like, can we handle changing bodies? And they make a joke about um, Skipper, or like the Skipper at Weird Barbie's house of like, and and then kind of find out like they made a skipper like that of like watch her changing body and like pull her. I up had that her. skipper. I had that had that skipper. Yep. So just so just the kind of the horror of look at like changing body Barbie. Ugh. So I definitely thought about that. So Skipper and Midge are in. So Midge is seems to always be behind a fence, kind of. And Skipper's clubhouse, like what I can't, I don't remember what the word what they called it, but it was like much smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like the, the size of what you'd expect a tree fort to be versus a mm-hmm. three floor Barbie dream house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that segregation, which we see, and then the segregation, which we don't see is where do the Kens live? Do they live on the beach? Um, they live in bunk beds somewhere? Like, and yeah, then just Caroline, thinking about- I, I okay. had a bite about that. Sorry to interrupt you, but- Go ahead, yeah, yeah. I- figured that that movie kind of did like the haves and the have-nots yeah the barbies are the haves they live that perfect utopian lifestyle the kens we don't know where the kens live but we ex- expect that it's not as nice as where the, the barbies are living and after a while of dealing with injustice like that of course you're gonna want to riot and get on bad and and rise up against this whole system that kind of oppresses you so i was not mad at the kids for doing that anyway right well, I, and, and did they seem the mad world. or did they just think like yep this is our world where barbies have yeah. nice houses and we are miserable or we sleep in bunk beds and we're yeah, out of sight out of mind yeah yeah and then I, think about I, like I the so. class aspect like you just brought up just thinking like are are there poor people like what is because we yeah. see like, the garbage like there's the like smiling waving garbage people pulling the garbage mm-hmm. or the construction workers and they all seem very happy and it doesn't seem like there's class within that, but maybe there is, I don't know. Yeah. Cause it's like president versus you're taking out the trash, but everyone says hi Barbie. And there's like a lot of, yeah. like, a lot of like friendly of, reciprocity still. I, I just found it like, okay, this is my, this is what I was thinking when I was watching it. It kind of gave me relief society. Um, But it gave me like the relief society, like the fans, niceness, really society it's like oh yeah hi are you good and you kind of force that smile um i remember was it the scene that they were all sitting at the beach and they were like questioning barbie about her feet was it her feet they were questioning her about yeah and i was and to me even though the questions were okay i guess they were it kind of reminded me of that silent judgment of really society right yes. um like you have to go to Weird Barbie now. Like sell your yes, you have feet. to go to Weird like, Barbie because because you're not like us, so that means you're weird. Yeah. Um, and also, like we're talking about like them coming out and be like, "Hi," and often that reminds me of like how people are in release society. They're like, "Oh my god, hi! I love you so much, but I really don't love you." Goodbye. I go so away I, from me. I, I, to me, it seemed like they were happy to each other. Like I didn't feel competition amongst the Barbies. Did anyone feel that? I didn't feel competition, like but I aware. felt like if it was surface level. Yeah. I, I felt like if it could be surface level. 
Okay. Well, it was surface level because this is a world in which there is no, there is no depth. True conflict. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you yeah. don't need self-reflection or self, True. a lot of self-awareness in a world that is supposedly perfect. It's perfect for the Barbies, as long as you're not Midge. And then it's perfect. It's not perfect for the Kens, but everybody, but the Barbies are like deeply unaware Right. of the way of of the ways in which it is not perfect for the kens and then the kens are kind of thrown into competition all trying to probably find housing by obsessing over their bar- their barbies which doesn't right. work right well, girls and- night sorry it's girls night yes girls oh night. well and then you have in in the the real world you have this sort of benevolent patriarchy of mattel Yes. Who, you know, they're like, oh, I love women and girls and their oh. dreams and ambitions. You know, we we live for that. And it's this whole group of men in suits with white shirts with this table this that tall I giant building that looks a lot like the church office building. Yes. Can, can, does. Did, did and anybody get like like seat. leadership positions from this? From this thing, mm-hmm. I was like, this looks very much like yeah. the apostles. And, and I, like, there might have been 12 men in that room. I don't it know. could have been I 12. I didn't but count. But I'm telling you, because I had had a good friend see it beforehand. And she was like, Heather, you're you're going to cry in this movie at America Ferrara's speech. Well, that's not what made me cry. What made me cry is when all the men started screaming at Barbie to get in the box. Oh, oh yes, that's in yes. the box, and get I was like box. almost hyperventilating. I'm like, don't do it! Oh, oh, don't gosh. go in the box. No, don't go I, in the box. yeah, yeah. Well, and, and like, so thinking about, so let's bring it back to churchy stuff. So church office building, men mm-hmm. accusing you, but like saying, "Come in, hi, yeah." So it's almost like a council. I'm like, great. Yeah. Now just step over here, and yeah. Yeah. I just need you to do Point what to you're this. supposed to do. You need to fall in it's line. Warm. It's like towing the line. Oh, you're going to go check your, your hair? Place. Okay, yeah, go check your hair. Okay. Yeah, towing yeah. the line. Sorry to interrupt Rona. Yeah. No. Uh, right, well, such, and- such an emphasis on conformity. Right? Yes. Yeah. And, well, and going Katie, back... Oh, go ahead. As I was going to say, Katie Rich in her blog post, mm. she sort of embodied, um, you know, different Kens as different general authorities. And, you know, she, oh, wow. she was talking about... Um, <laughs> and and i was like laughing thinking barbie come home from space come home from the veterinary clinic put down your nobel prize you know (laughs) right oh man well and uh, so to bring in a midwest pilgrim lines one of the speakers there shared so she shared that quote which i didn't realize was from 1987 like the like women come home and she jokes. That's so she, Benson quoting Kimball from earlier. Right, right. So Kimball. So, yeah. but uh, so the person speaking at Midwest Pilgrims made the joke. So she was like, I was finishing up my PhD program, heard the like, cho- like, come home, come home. And she was like, you must have thought we all had really bad jobs because it was like, come home from the cafe and from the typing pool. Yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it does bring up, bring up some class issues. Oh, sorry. One more thing about thing about the like Mattel world. So Century City, um, there's a part where Ryan Gosling is like, "Can I get a job here?" And uh, yeah, or just like he's he made some joke about patri or not a joke, like made a statement about patriarchy, and the like real world person was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're just getting better at hiding it." Use some line no. like that, and I was like, "Ah, you're right, you're right." Ugh, oh, no, so angry. Okay, um, so angry I don't know if I, I guess. For me, just watching this movie, um, especially with Ken, Ken really stuck out to me. Um, and it did Ryan Gosling steal the show? 
Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. That I song is killer. This um, song. I I guess where it kind of where I kind of resonated with it is he reminded me a lot of LDS young men, especially yeah. being single and being in these trenches and uh-huh. literally having to deal with Ken's like this. Um, especially when he started to sing, I was like, oh Guitar. my gosh, this is this just Empire. reminds me of a YSA award where like somebody goes up and their mom tells them that they're a good singer and they're not. I, I like you're singing at church, judging them hardcore from the back row with your popcorn and your whatever. Um <laughs> but like it it kind of reminded me so much of you know some of the attitudes of young LDS men when they come out, they've been told that you know you're amazing you're amazing and then they find somebody who is you know standing in their own um whether in confidence or whatever and the need to kind of twist and shape that person into the ideal that they want them to be yeah um I don't know if Ken really did that in the movie kind of I don't know if you guys have any insights about that but um I I just found it really interesting how much he kind of personifies the modern day LDS man with his Mojo Dojo Casa House. (laughs) Right. Well, so the other line that oh, go ahead, Heather. Go ahead. No, you you go, Caroline. So so yeah, the two lines that I love. The one is like where the Kens live, but and then the beginning of the movie, like Barbie has a good day every day. Ken has a good day if Barbie looks at him like. Yeah. So just like that like oh heartbreaking or not heartbreaking but just like oh like we're on different different planes the accessory <laughs> aspect but like ken has feelings and like explores them but yeah. like yeah Kinda. oh sorry one more part that i like so i always saw the movie with my partner steve and i like hit his leg there's the part where like ryan gosling goes upstairs to cry barbie goes to check on him she's like hey how are you doing thumbs up smiles i'm fine when like yeah. he wasn't fine but just the yeah, like that so i like fine, hit steve being like, like being like you do this so the like when you're feeling <laughs> deep feelings of like sadness <laughs> quickly being like nope I'm, I'm not feeling anything and like so i love that like kind of joking but acknowledging the like men are having a hard time sharing their feelings well yeah. and there's so much shame right like yes. ken is kind of like r- just riddled with shame right you know it, he's just you know he he he's like desperate like for Barbie but he's like yeah but he's also like ashamed of that like desperation and he really wants to perform beach really well Mm -hmm. and that's hard for him threatened by that other Ken yeah (laughs) Simu yeah Yeah. Ken Ken reminded me of a guy I went on a date with in 2018 it was very too accurate Oh, accurate. Well, I mean, I have, from the I location of the date to everything. Really? Oh, did he take you to the beach? No, he did take me to the beach. We went to like a country. Do you know that that country place, that country restaurant that is right in front of the Provo City Center Temple? There's like a cowboy. There's like a like a southern restaurant. Okay. And he was wearing a cowboy hat. So, like, I was just like, oh, no. So, I was just watching that part with Ken with his singing and his quotes and everything. And I was, like, dry heaving, spitting in, like, 
giving yeah. me PTSD. Well, I mean, Barbie says at one point, men look at me like I'm an object. Girls mm-hmm. hate me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that both Barbie and Ken are um, objectified by perfectionism and, and mm-hmm. sort of trapped in these um in these bodies that that just that aren't real well trapped in these roles that are not serving them you know and one of the things that I've been thinking about is the way in which you know LDS culture or you know teaching often is like you know we teach ideals we teach ideals and it's like well ideals are like these roles that we often fit very that, that don't necessarily fit ordinary people they're not values right like ideals are not like love your neighbor or like, you know, treat the earth responsibly, you know, Mm. that's those, those would be like values, but ideals are like, you know, lean hard into this role. And that, and it seemed like just the Barbie movie was a really good like encapsulation of like people really trying to lean very hard into their roles and it not working for anybody. Mm, That's a great observation. Because I think people are, hurt not just the person who struggles with perfectionism but the people who are surround who surround the perfectionists yeah yeah are often really harmed and hurt because they think it's real mm-hmm. and then they they feel really bad so i've had several clients reference this movie during therapy mm. and one of them last week was talking about his job that he hates that the people that he's around he just feels like everyone is so fake. And he just practically burst into tears and said, I'm an Alan among Ken's. Oh, and I was like, Oh baby boy, you're Ken off, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. He just, so that scene, that movie gave him language for right. what it feels like to be the outlier who doesn't fit in. Who's not this hyper masculine and, you know, and, and we all know that with the uh, surrounded by Barbies sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking about the phrase like patriarchy hurts everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the a blog post by um, Lane Anderson, who writes matriarchy report and um, a, a line that she brought up that I appreciate or something that she brought up was um, how often the word patriarchy was brought up. And so often, sometimes it was joking and sometimes it was like more serious and real. And so even though it doesn't like solve all the problems of the patriarchy, because I think that is where one of my critiques is, is like, why didn't they build a better world? Mm-hmm. Like at the end where they're like, well, someday you could be a Supreme Court justice. So it's like, why? Like I'm thinking about the book tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Why not create a world that's better now? Like why, yeah. why still keep it so not toward a you're a person, I'm a person, let's make this a better world. And like, why was it still so segregated? Anyway, um, but sorry, back to Lane Anderson for a minute, Um, this aspect of patriarchy being brought up so often, sometimes jokes, sometimes seriously, can then help it like naming it more instead of the like, keeping it hidden. So can anyone think of movies like where it was so explicitly either like made fun of or brought forward? And how much does it offend conservative people? Two questions. <laughs> well, so so I think, right, like often, especially um, in, in, you know, my environment of Southern Utah, to mention, to like critique patriarchy and to name patriarchal systems is kind of taboo. And sometimes right. it can be taboo in the church, which kind of 
has at various points embraced the language of patriarchy. Yeah. Um, but it's on, but right. But, but if you kind of make a, make it taboo to name a thing like, you know, Lord Voldemort or something, it's difficult mm-hmm. to then, you know, talk about and describe the the thing. Cause you don't have language, but you don't have language for it. And so right. I think that using this term, um, which, you know, talks about, right. Like the systemic oppression, like of, of, of women and people of minority genders, right. Is, is really, is really important, you know, bringing that language to a younger generation also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know Abby Hansen Maxwell, is that her last name? Sorry, it's not coming right. Anyway, reading her, her post of her, like searching, like, is patriarchy bad? I, yeah, I remember my first, like hearing a critique of patriarchy and being like, wait, what? is this okay to explore? Because I just, again, grew up with such like patriarchy is patriarchal blessing, like just so many things that are like a positive thing and not understanding like, oh, wait. And then like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that in this Barbie world, um, we have a God figure. I mean, I love that, that Satan's a woman and God's a woman too. That, that, you know, Ruth Handler, played by Rhea Perlman um, is really is this lovely God figure and that, mm. that she's the creator. She, you know, sure. she's the creator of Barbie. And, um, and I love that, you know, Barbie was like going to her sort of looking to become human. Right. And, right. Yeah. You know, she, that she turns it back to her that, you know, that, that you've got to just really feel what it means to be human. Just mm-hmm. the, the joys and the sorrows and all of those things. What well, and even when Barbie first encounter encounters Ruth, it's Barbie's like looking for answers and looking for somebody to fix it. Right? She goes mm-hmm. on a journey so that the thing will be fixed. Yes, and then discovers that like there isn't a fixing, there isn't a going back. Right, but that the journey, like she, like she can't be given answers. She has to go find her own. And I think that that's, that's also, you know, a couple, some, some great lessons, some great theology, I I think, right. Like there aren't, there aren't clear and obvious answers as to how we, how we fix the world. We have to find our own. Yeah. At one point she was like, what would problem solving Barbie? Like I'm trying to remember like which Barbie she references, but she's like, what would like that Barbie do? And like, let me try to think. And um because we don't discover for a while like what her name is like later we find out like oh stereotypical barbie like Mm -hmm. so that was that was a fun reveal for me because i was kind of thinking like oh like that's the president like i was again trying to figure out like Mm -hmm. who's who of barbie land and it's interesting i think i expected that there'd be more like clones type things since like there are like it was interesting that everyone's barbie even though they all look different Mm -hmm. everyone's ken even though they all look different like and finding Except that Alan and Midge, that's Alan, Midge, Skipper, Skipper. But Nancy, you also talked about who Weird Barbie's friends were at yeah. her house. Talk about okay. that. So, so Barb, like, there's Sugar Daddy, Sugar Ken. Daddy Ken, Magic. Right, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not even yeah. gonna like try and explain that one. No. But then there's like uh, Earring Magic Ken, and I was reading just a little bit in Barbie history that like, so Earring Magic Ken. Um, was a really big deal in the 90s. I think this was a 90s era. Looks like uh, it, yeah. Kendall. Yeah. And so, and and of course, in, in the 90s and through the, two, through the 2000s, like, a me- like 
men with like a single earring was kind of like a very obvious queer coding and like signaling, or at least that's how it was under, you know, very much understood in, in society. And apparently gay men bought this like broke records with like Barbie sales by buying this Barbie. And then it was discontinued. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I am excited to read, you know, Barbie's queer accessories because, and apparently there were a lot of assumptions when Alan came out too, that Alan was Ken's boyfriend. And so, mm. um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, I think, I think there's a lot of, the, the, there's other people and other scholars have explored, uh, in more detail than I have the queerness of the Barbie universe, but that was really well reflected in, in the movie and, you know, yeah. I think that that's been fun for me and my children as we've kind of reflected on the movie and talked a lot about gender and sexuality. And mm-hmm. as a result, yeah. Who else was hanging out at Weird Barbie's house? The t- the video Barbie, video um, Barbie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So growing up, Skipper. Yeah. Um, the dog that poops. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I love the sort of island of misfit toys. Totally yeah. island of misfit toys. Yeah. 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 Like the queerest of the Barbies, right? Like yeah. the kind of the kind of marginalized Barbies. They all hang out with with queer that Barbie. Queer in that sense of strange. Right. Mm-hmm. Well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're always on Team Barbie. Right. Like like those the the, the kind of uh weird Ken the or the, the Kens that kind of find caucus with weird Barbie, they stay with weird Barbie. They don't go back right. to the Kens in the Ken yeah. battle. And so I love the mm-hmm. solidarity that they show with anyway. So, you know, just some interesting, interesting dynamics going on. So absolutely. I want to bring in some uh marxism a little bit okay so there's also just thinking about like so as i was watching the movie the like opening credits like a movie by mattel and i'm like ah okay so keeping that in mind too of like we don't talk about the people who are assembling the barbies we don't talk about the consumer ways like which like i know that they're trying to keep it fun um there's everyone has questions or i wish they went there i wish they went this way that way but just thinking about like uh, I've heard, read the critique. Was that a 15 minute car commercial for Chevy with the like yes. <laughs> chase scene um, or the like, oh, should we make that Barbie? Oh, yeah. The sales will be awesome. Let's do it. And so we see like the like they're going off the shelves, depression Barbie, like the, um, the you see like the shipping and handling type person talking about it. But kind of the like, this is a is this a marketing movie? Like, is this promoting the like hooray consumption? Um yeah, because yeah. it both criticized Mattel, but then backed off with all of the promotion stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love the line. I don't control the rope. I can't be a fascist because I don't control the rope. Yes. These are the flow yes. of commerce. So and- I was so, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, and so that was very funny. There's also when yes. they're when um they're driving into Barbie Land, when Barbie is driving into Barbie Land with uh America Ferrara and the and the daughter, mm-hmm. you know, there Barbie says something like, I can't wait to show you all my things. They bring me so much fulfillment. Like pers- oh, right, so, right, kind of, oh. Yeah. So there are just so many throwaway fantastic lines in this movie that I I feel like it could it's just kind of a collection of wonderful quotes, but kind yeah. of poking fun at this consumerism. But at the same yes. time, I'm sure that Mattel is going to sell, right? This has been a huge summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So they're going to make money from the movie and they're probably going to sell a whole bunch of merchandise, right, um, right. you know, yeah. and, and so, right. Like, is it like a two hour long ad for Mattel to sell the things? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But Do I'm glad. Have, what other thoughts do you have there, Ramona? Oh, yeah. Do you think that this, I was just thinking as everybody's talking, do you think that the Barbie movie will win an Oscar? No. No. I would hope not. Ryan Gosling should be nominated. He does, it, he does a very good job. And I just have to say, yes. this, this is my second favorite Ryan Gosling with a doll movie. My first mm-hmm. being Lars and the Real Girl, ha, ha, ha. where he has a life-size doll. That's right. That's right. So uh-huh. it's a theme for him. Mm. Um. Yeah. Oh, I want to go back to the, to the fashion line for a second. When it's like, oh, Sasha, the daughter is gonna like chew you out, look out. And so she says, like, you make women like girls hate their bodies, blah blah blah. And you're a fascist. I was like, why did she choose the word fascist of all the like put down words? Is what I was thinking about for a second. And then it goes. And then I love the line that you brought up, Nancy. Like, I don't control the railways or the means of commerce. <laughs> So it was like fun to be like, oh, Barbie understands politics a little bit. She understands like historical words, the historical use of that word. But like we do have fas- growing fascism in the United States and in Hungary and in different parts of Europe of like the extreme nationalism, that creepiness. And and then the weird like, oh, Antifa. But it's like, no, we want to be anti-fascist. Fascists are bad, y'all. Trump is fascist. Yeah. We got to stop that. <laughs> Well, when I think of Barbie, though, too, like pre-movie, it, you know, for me, in my mind, I, I do think of conforming, right? Like body, mm-hmm. ha- like while mm-hmm. while there are, um, while there is some diversity of bar- of body type with Barbie, I still think of stereotypical Barbie. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. and so, right. And so there's, there's a, a strong sense of like conform, like conforming, right. And, you know, all the Barbies are Barbie, right. Like, mm-hmm. like all. This is something that I have, all, have for a long time find, found very upsetting about the temple to go back to your temple point other, right? Like all, all women are Eve, all men mm. are Adam, all mm. women are Barbie, all men yeah. are Ken, right? Like mm. there's only, there's mm-hmm. only, there are different flavors, but really Get there's the only box. one, right? Get, Get in the, the box. box, right? And that sense of getting back into the box is like, we need you, we need you to conform to your role that's been assigned yes. to you by society. And that feels script. like fascism, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, it's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I've loved this. This has been so much fun talking about Barbie. <laughs> okay, so yeah, as we're as we're wrapping this up, um, I want to share some of my favorite lines from the uh, Ryan Gosling song. Uh, I did a quick deep dive. Um, it was not written by him, and they originally weren't planning to have him sing it. But he like heard it and was like, I want to sing it. And they're like, okay, like he was a mouseketeer. He's sung before. And then at first they were like, I don't like, but the like writer, the songwriter was a little nervous. And the songwriter also said they were nervous about the line, the like, I'm blonde, my blonde fragility. fragility. They're, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, maybe they won't like that line, but they, they did. Um, mm-hmm. I love the line. Hey world, check me out. I'm Ken. Like, <laughs> I'm here. Oh, sorry. Where's the line? It's toward the end. Just so good. Um, my name's Ken, and so am I. Put that manly hand in mine. So, so hey, world, check me out. Yeah, I'm just Ken. So I love the bit at the end. So I will just, I will just say that recently Heather and I drove down like a canyon in Provo with like the windows open and like this song blaring oh, down, which was a lot it. of fun, and. The, at the end, like in the last verse, he says something like, 
I am Ken and I'm enough and yeah. I'm good at doing stuff. Exactly, and yeah. right. Like, and, and there's just so much like genetic as, as Ken is like trying to articulate who he is. Yeah. It's just the language he uses is just really generic. And, and, right, and, and that right. Like is, is, is like the box he's both like conforming to and trying to resist. And I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's great. Any other favorite lines or parts as we're wrapping up? Ramona, what was your favorite line? Me? I don't have one. Okay. <laughs> I haven't watched it that deeply to have a favorite line. Okay. Um, who's your favorite Barbie, Ramona? Um, who's my favorite Barbie? Ooh, that's a hard one. I think Simu Lee's character is Ken. I don't think I have a favorite Barbie. Although it's a race, Barbie was cool. She was, she was cool. Um, totally president he was yeah. a great ken though there was yes. such great tension there between such him and energy. like stereotypical i think the good tension energy was what i liked about him but yeah. i don't think i have a favorite barbie per se yeah because we don't yeah, get to know, know a lot of the barbies very well is part of it yeah yeah, yeah. um I'm, okay i'm like i want to do like one more like bring it back to mormonism well, something Rachel brought up in the Mormon Land op- episode that then made me think of Joanna Brooks is the like, um, like kind of culture of innocence of like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, and so when is it the like, I don't know, but you're still guilty. And so Joanna Brooks brings that up with the um, Mormonism and white supremacy of the like, mm-hmm. oops, but like, you're still responsible, you still need to know the history. And so um, yeah, when Okay, sorry. I'm going to go off for one more tangent before we wrap up. Steve, you can edit this later. Uh, I think like one of my critiques is like I kept trying to spend so much time being like, okay, is if Barbie Land is patriarchy but reversed, but wait, but it's not quite, but wait, um, yeah, I think I'm just not sure. Yeah, because uh, is it just like yeah, is it? So and Ramona, you brought sorry, Nancy, you brought this up earlier. It was just like, yeah, like there isn't a lot of like depth and it's things mm-hmm. things are happy, but like how do we if we are trying to like reverse it even within our like thinking about Mormonism, because Abby brings up the like I was Ken and the like I wanted the validation from my Barbie to make make me good and I didn't question anything. Um, so why do you think that Ken feels that tension, but no one else does? Because it's interesting that it's that Ken and that Barbie are the ones who aren't quite satisfied where they are. Obviously for the storyline, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to guess that all of them are not satisfied by where they are, but they're stereotypical Barbie and stereotypical Ken, right? Like they're they supposed to be who represent right. all of us. Okay. Okay. True. True. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, deep I like stuff. deep stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess like critique I have is, is it as revolutionary as everybody's saying for me? No. Right. Um, right. The American Ferrer speech. Like, is that, when is that just like, okay, be who you want to be, but there's bigger constraints than that. There's yeah. Bigger I, social, just, economic, like, race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just was like, is it going to start work? Well, I always say, is it going to start work hunger when it's something is it as amazing as everybody says it is? Um, will it start war hunger? No. Um, 
but is it okay for now yeah i think so um right and are we expecting is- i love the critique of are we expecting the transformers movies to change everything but that's yeah. about a toy but then are we expecting the barbie movie to change <laughs> yeah. everything yeah, this yeah. is about a toy so i'm glad it i'm glad it didn't it wasn't just like look how cute and cool barbie is yeah it wasn't just that and my other critique is the ending i just felt like the ending kind of just fell flat um i think the the movie was good in its entirety until the end did could i have cut the movie when she decided to leave with the old lady yes mm-hmm. i didn't need i didn't need the husband like america forever's husband trying to buy himself a role i didn't need him coming in speaking spanish do, do or her husband just, yeah do, be the goofy husband the, the goofy stereotypical husband um and him coming in and like all of a sudden you think she's going for a job interview no she's going to her right. gynecologist like did I need all of that I, I get what it was doing but it just ended abruptly after that and right. I got nothing after it so right. I just thought that it was just okay here let me give you like an amazing ending like yay feminism and that was it <laughs> and it hmm. didn't wrap it up in a nice pretty bowl for me I then felt angry because I was like Cause I was like, okay, she's going to see your gynecologist to get birth control. And then I just felt deeply angry that like, no men did need, men need to have more responsibility. And like, and like, why do we need to go to a gynecologist to get birth control? Why is it so difficult to get birth control? Like I, I was feeling some of those politics. Ejaculate yeah. responsibly. Ken. Yes. I was yes. like, could somebody please tell me why she's here? Ha ha ha. Right. Or, yeah. or, and for a second, I was like, okay, if, when she's a Barbie, but still in the real world, world, she can say, I don't have a vagina. I was like, maybe she's getting reconstructive surgery. I don't know. I don't know. Or does she magically get a vagina even? No longer a TK smoothie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's why, that's part of why I think that like, um, the openness at the end. a queer reading and if like where's where her sexuality is at the forefront and a big question to be answered for her mm. is, is actually like it, then the ending makes sense. But mm-hmm. to me, I agree with you, Ramona. The first time I saw that, I was like, what? This is not the obvious ending from where I right. thought we had been going. Right. But I think when you when you really bring like sexuality to the forefront, then I think it makes sense as an ending. But um, yeah, that took I, me a while to get there. I don't even feel like if I needed like a typical ending, I forget that I would have her going back and forth and teaching like, classes or something about what she's learning into oh. barbie or whatever <laughs> and that would be my unrealistic ending but it just to me just felt like static yeah i can see mm-hmm. that yeah yeah but i only watched it once so maybe if i watch it again i might feel differently well i would recommend that but you may not your schedule may not allow that <laughs> uh-huh. oh on sundays sundays the lord's right. day <laughs> the Lord's Day. This is the movie. This is the Lord's version of the temple you should watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Fun as always, ladies. Thank you. So oh. good to chat with you all. Thank you for bringing in so good to the see pop culture perspective, Ramona, the queer perspective, Nancy, the temple churchy Heather. Um, hope I didn't bore people with the housing policy and walkability of barbie land 
Um, remember, this is Exponent 2. You can support in many ways. You can subscribe to the magazine. You can subscribe to the blog. You can write a blog post. You can write a magazine article. We'd love to have you. We also do not get funded by the church. We don't have a million dollar endowment. So if you want to contribute to our 501c3, it is tax Um As always, find us at exponent2.org. That's exponentii.org, where we honor Mormon women's and gender minorities' voices wherever you are. Thanks so much, everybody.